and I'm Ninfa Crawford, and today I am very lucky to have with me, with this, I think, 14-hour difference here, um, uh, Brian Branks, who is a, currently an international teacher in Beijing, in China, and uh, wanted to speak with Brian to get his perspective on the coronavirus and what's happening. I know here uh, there's varying levels of whether it's fake news or dramatization or should we be more worried or then some people who are catastrophically worried and very anxious about what's going on. So um, just to kind of get perspective from someone who's currently living in Beijing. Thanks, Brian. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Nempa. So tell me a little bit, um, I guess, how did it all start? When did you first hear and how were you affected initially when this kind of broke out a few weeks ago? Yeah, so the, uh, the last few weeks has been the, um, the, the Lunar New Year celebration here in China, which is um, the largest holiday celebration by far of the year. It is when um, everyone in China travels to see their families in distant places, usually out in the rural areas of China. Um, and so people um, were involved in this, this large, um, you know, human migration to all these other areas. And um, it's a time when um, the bigger cities tend to empty out. So even here in Beijing, the crowds thinned out, you know, considerably. Um, and then right about, I would say, a week into um, a week into the holiday, we just started kind of hearing the buzz about um, people being sick, um, primarily focused in Wuhan, which is in Hubei province, which is about 700 miles um, south of us. So it is not a neighboring province, and it's actually quite far. Um, so we really weren't giving it too much thought. Um, it sounded like something that was pretty... Um, confined to that area, you know, thinking, my goodness, that's terrible. And then, of course, we started to find out a little bit more about it in terms of um, the human impact um, and and the um, the difficulty in um, helping people protect pe protecting people from um, this virus that people don't don't know much about and. Uh, it just seems that slowly but surely, as it started to spread beyond Wuhan and, of course, crossing borders, that things started to, um, to take a turn um, in terms of, you know, the seriousness of the situation. No, I, it sounds like it. When did you see that? I mean, we on this side of the, of the planet, I guess it's across the pond pond. Um, um, I'm in here in the United States, east, eastern seaborne, and so for us it was frightening to hear that um, the travel was being um, restricted. I think that was probably what, for me, was like, wow, I'm knowing, you know, familiar with the fact that the lunar celebration is such a huge um, festival and then a huge time for family and, like you said, travel. So when I saw that, that was a very completely different, almost 180 from SARS. 
right, when SARS came out, it seemed like it was being downplayed, and this all of a sudden was like, okay, we're closing borders, you know? So I think that's what caused us to feel alarmed. Yes, I think that, I think that there were some lessons learned um, when SARS occurred, and I think that it is because of what happened with SARS that we're seeing so many of the decisions that we're, that we're seeing being made now. I think that those are all... Um, uh, a direct, uh, really a direct impact of of what happened when the SARS um, epidemic, you know, had occurred, and the fact that this one has progressively worsened. Um, of course, you know they're they're making even even more um, intense decisions and restrictions along the way. Um, it you know it it is interesting to read the. Um, the Western media. Um, we do, we do read the Western media here, um, especially those of us who are expats over here working, um, so that we can kind of stay tuned, you know, with what's going on in the world and with uh, without much of a filter. And uh, and it is interesting how well, first and foremost, so so much of the the media attention on on particularly on China is is often negative. Um, and, uh, you know, I certainly read that with a more critical eye because I've been living here with my family uh, for seven years. But um, in terms of, of this particular situation, I do find that the Western media portrays it with quite a bit of doom and gloom. And very um, much so. I think and, I, and I, I'm sorry. My apologies. Go ahead. I was just saying, I, I tried, and I was going to ask you where you get your your information from and where you select to get that Western mm. outlook from, because I agree with you that depending, sad, sadly, there seems to be some skewing on that negativity. Um, where do you, where do you go to to feel like you might get something that's a little more impartial? Yeah, I, I, I try in terms of, of, of news. Um, I try to look at a variety of sources and not, not just sources that are from the United States, but certainly from, other parts of the world as well, including here um, in Asia, in, even here in China, because I do want to have a better perspective. Um, and and really, if you're only looking at one or two, um, you're certainly not getting the an authentic picture. So we, we do, you know, refer to a lot of, of different sources um, when we're looking, in particular, at the bigger stories that are going on in the world. Obviously, this is one of the biggest happening at this time, and um, the the focus um, uh, from the West uh, seems to be, um, you know, obviously how many people are um, infected, how many people are, are dying um, from this, and there seems to be a lot of um, portraying of this as being in China as a whole country. Whereas, you know, the epicenter of this is in one particular province of approximately 60 million people, but yeah. it is certainly not the country of over 1 billion. And so we just always try to keep the numbers in perspective. And, and one, one that I always go back to is, you know, looking in the United States alone, thousands of people die of, of influenza in the United States every year. And so... Um, you know, it's just important for us to keep ourselves as informed as possible um, with a variety of sources and certainly try to look at the bigger picture. I think that that's accurate, and that's what 
I, I'm like you. I like stats. I like numbers. I find comfort in them. <laughs> um, you're trying to keep sure. it grounded so you don't get anxious that some people might get, you know, and it, um, and I do. I actually, it's interesting because that's even part of my feed in um, just simple Facebook, right, um, where I have friends who are, we were kind of putting things in check and saying, okay, we've had more deaths of the ordinary seasonal flu, influenza, where there is an immunization shot that you can take. And yes, it doesn't cover 100%. doesn't mean you won't get the flu because of the different strains. However, um, it does provide some protection. And I think, um, to your point, right now, it looks like the percentages are pretty much aligned with the seasonal influenza. I think the difference is that, you know, um, it would take, from what I've read most recently, and it, that number could change, um, 18 months to come up with a, um, a protective, you know, shot that you can take to help you um, not get this, uh, you know, coronavirus. It, it could be 18 months. And so I think that that's probably part of it. I think the other thing is, I, I think people have to remember that uh, like you just stated, most of those deaths were in the Hubei, and it's been about, I think, 500 um, deaths, sadly, um, or is that, is that wrong, within China? Um, it's actually it's actually higher than that at this point. Um, oh, it's 1,300. The majority of the deaths. Yes, you're right. I'm sorry, say that again then? Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, so uh, a lot of those deaths have occurred um, right there in in Hubei, and I think too, you know, I think that um, there's certainly some validity to the the argument about, um, you know, with the lack of vaccine, that certainly makes people um, much more worried uh, because we do often think of a, a vaccine as our quick fix, as our quick prevention, our quick preventative measure from ensuring um, with absolute certainty that we're not going to, you know, contract the particular um, Thing that we're being vaccinated for but but that's where I also uh, coming again coming from the perspective of being here and, and seeing it from the outside of the Western media I sometimes think that because there is a lack of, of understanding or a lack of knowledge of, of, of China or Chinese people Chinese culture um, I think that oftentimes when people don't um, don't know um, very much, uh, they tend to go down, I think, a, a negative path as well. And I think that that is coming into play here. I've read a lot of um, um, mis, misin, um, misinformation or about fake news. Um, I think you're being people tried. here and the culture here. Oh, so you feel like there's some sort of even racism happening? I, I absolutely 100% think that um, from a Western standpoint um, and then looking at that Western uh, standpoint from the perspective of living here, I absolutely 100% believe that, absolutely. Wow, that's, that's terrible. I mean, I, I understand that. Uh, I can ex imagine that. I, I read you posted a couple things. I, I follow you on Facebook. Um some of the news that was like, let's get perspective on 
um, some of the negative thoughts that people have, like, uh, I don't know, eating something, and I can remember, like, oh, it's Japan that does this, or it's the U.S. that does the animal testing and cruelty. It's like, you know, it's easy to point at China at doing some of these things. And I think part of it, sadly, Brian, has to do with who is currently our, our leader here in the U.S., you know, um, antagonizing... Sorry. Yeah, that that certainly that certainly could be um, for sure. That could absolutely. I mean, there's obviously been a lot of discussion in the media about China, talking about trades and um, tariffs and and things like that. Um, but I think there's an element too of the fact that you know China is currently the most populated country in the world. They have a five thousand plus year history. They have. Um, big, modern um, cities, and they also have industrial centers, and they also have a lot of rural um, areas that where people are not educated. There is a lot of poverty. Um, it is striking to, to see how, how the, the, the vast difference between rich and poor um, is, is visible here. And I think that um, there, so within China, there is there's a lack of information, a lack of um, a lack of knowledge. But I also think it is because of all of that happening in China, and people on the outside not really understanding it because they've only they only know what they've seen or read or heard yeah. from afar. I think that that completely skews their understanding. Absolutely, understanding. Well, it's very similar to how China, from my understanding, has many controls in, on um, news outlets and the information that can be disseminated is my understanding. Well, I feel like we have the same issues and problems because we're bombarded with fake news that we have to use critical thinking skills to ensure well, what are, what are facts and what aren't? You know, what's someone's opinion? What's actually occurring there? Um, and I think, um, to your point, with um, the differences in culture, differences in language, I think it's just so foreign um, that it is important for us to make, be more accountable where we're getting our news to ensure that there is a little bit of balance there. Um, but one of the things I did want to clarify, so sir, as of this morning, Thursday, uh, the 13th, we have, I think, uh, 1,368 uh, deaths and about 60,000 um, cases. And that bump that just happened in the last 12 hours is because uh, they've changed the diagnosis, um, made, the, made the definition broader in, in Hubei only, only in Hubei, to make sure that they're covering, because I think that they were concerned about the, di uh, the diagnosis kits. They weren't, um, I, I don't know if there's a shortage of them or if maybe um, they didn't think that they were as effective. So now they have this much broader definition, which of course now it's going to encompass a lot more 
and that's why we have such a higher number. It's interesting because until this morning, I had heard and read that it was actually slowing down and that things looked like were, they were improving. I think um, this seems a little alarming, but it makes sense in terms of providing a broader scope so that at least now we're hopefully getting more of those infections and we're learning more about the virus to create a much better um, understanding and, and how to treat it. I think, um, you know, like you say, China's so big and it has so much, you know, we're a global economy at this point. Um, it's definitely impacted um, some other industries too, where I think, uh, I think automotive has said that they're slowing yeah. down their production because the workers haven't been able to get back. Um, for us, um, we hear about people not being able to, to move. You, you, you mentioned yourself that Beijing seemed pretty empty. Um, has that changed recently? Um, well, mm, well, the official end to the Chinese New Year holiday or the, the Lunar New Year holiday, the official end of that holiday is this coming Tuesday. And that is when... Um, all of the people who have traveled to these other provinces will begin coming back into the bigger cities um, uh, from visiting their families. And there is a concern here that we will see those numbers. And yes, you, you are right. Those numbers have been leveling off a bit um, and in some cases coming down. But there is a concern that when all of these people who have gone off to see their families for the holidays in these very rural areas of China, they are all going to be coming back into the city, and um, and there is a concern that we could see another um, increase or spike in infection rates because of that. And so that and and as a result of that possibility, there are, are we've been living with restrictions over the last few weeks and they have been slowly and steadily increasing um, even as far away from Hubei as here in Beijing. So you had mentioned school closures, right? How long has that been in effect? Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, so interestingly enough, because it is the Chinese New Year, um, both local and international schools have been on holiday <clears throat> for either two or three weeks. Um, some international international schools were supposed to go back uh, last week, and then some international schools, like the one that I work for, was supposed to return to classes this this week that we're we're in right now. Um, Chinese public schools um, were to be back in session uh, this coming Monday, the seventeenth. Now all schools have been closed now, and. Um, there is, there is no definitive return date as of right now. Um, certainly we're hearing the, the rumors going across our own social media platforms here in China, um, whereas some, some schools in the southern provinces um, closer to Hubei um, could be out for months. Um, and then up here in Beijing, we know that we will not be returning to classes before um, March 2nd, um, likely after, um, but we have not heard an official update yet from the government about that, um, and so all education is being conducted through
true online study um, at this time. And and it's and it's not even just the schools that are closed as of right now. Any any businesses where employees are able to conduct their work from home are um, insisting that their employees stay home um, to essentially quarantine themselves um, during this time as well. So for a city of more than 20 million people, it's quite unusual to be able to get around Beijing so quickly lately. (laughs) I remember you had mentioned that. I'm like, holy cow. I thought that New York City was crowded when I lived there. I can't imagine Beijing. It's just, it's incredible to me. And I think that's part of it is, is I am impressed thoroughly with how, to me, government officials have taken this to heart. I was very saddened, and I, and I have to look up the, the physician's name, who in December kind of, you know, raised the alarm and said something's happening here, yes. it's different. And, and that he was really immersed in, in, in treatment of these patients without proper um, protection. Uh, and maybe he just couldn't help it because he was now treating people who really had a high dosage of the actual virus in them and um, that he passed away. Um, and it seems like uh, he was at first kind of told not to say anything and that the alarm um, that they didn't, they didn't take him seriously until it kind of bloomed in, in January, and that's when they started seeing the numbers rise. Um, yes, yeah, that is. It, it's it's so sad that that, that is it is really tragic about um, about that doctor and, and that whole situation because he really was trying to put the word out and he was he was silenced for doing so and. Um, and, and I certainly, I think it would be uh, presumptuous to say that, that everything we're going now through now, right now, could have been prevented. I, I don't necessarily believe that that is the case, but, no. you know, perhaps it could have been curbed a little bit before um, it was at this point. No, um, and I just, I, I found that some of some information, so I just do want to, um, his name is Lee Wei Lian, Wei Wen Lian. Dr. Um, Lee um, was apprehended by Wuhan police, according to Al Jazeera, um, for spreading rumors, quote unquote, about the coronavirus um, in the end of December, early January. And he was only 34 years old, um, and he died um, due to the infection. and the news of his death was posted by his colleague on uh, Weibo. Did I say that right? Weibo, yes. Weibo. Um, it's a Chinese microblogging website saying that Lee had passed away after being sent to the intensive care unit. Um, yeah, so definitely just, you know, a lot of uh, sadness around that. Uh, I don't think, like you said, that um, it could have, prevented you know we don't know right we don't have information but but I'm glad at least we know this about him and that uh, we're being told about this I think it's important um and that to me I'm impressed that China has taken such strong measures um I think it's a it's a tremendously positive step towards preventing this and, and creating 
um, lines of defense um, against any, anything that comes up. It could, it could come out of China, it could come out of India, it could come out of Africa, you know, we don't know, right? Um, where um, some of these viruses can come out of. Um, it's my understanding that we see them come from China because of the farming practices. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So, yes, so I, um, I, I've read that as well, and, um, you know, and, and it is, it is, it is uh, highly likely that that is what occurred. Um, you know, I've seen a lot uh, of things posted in terms of, you know, Chinese people eating, you know, these different wild animals and, um, you know, all these, um, what the West would consider so unusual Um and, and and in some in some capacity there there is truth to those things. This is a different culture and um, food sources are food sources. But um, there are practices here that have been going on for a very long time. And you mentioned you know farming and um, about five years ago I was traveling um, in central China, a very rural town. I was riding a bike through a very rural town, stopped to have something to drink, and I happen to look over, and I and I still have photos of this. Actually, um, I look over and I see a farmer um, who has caught a snake. He has a snake, um, takes it takes it out of what he has trapped it in. I don't remember if it was a bag or a, a cage or some kind, but he takes a snake. I watch him behead the snake right in front of me. He drained that snake into a glass and proceeded to drink. Um, the blood and when I was asking I was asking the Chinese person that I was with about this because of course as a westerner I thought oh my gosh what 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 <laughs> I've, never <laughs> seen, I've never seen this before and um, and the the Chinese person was with me was kind of educating me um, and said that um, that this is this was is a this is a practice that this particular farmer has probably been doing for the majority of his life and that the government actually tries to um, put the word out to people like him of his generation that these kinds of practices are dangerous Um, but in his mind in the farmer's mind he's doing something that he has done that probably his family did before him and he believes there is some health benefit to what he is doing despite the incredible danger that he is putting himself into and as a as a foreigner you know i have to i certainly don't agree with this that that is happening but i certainly have to to give it due respect because this is their culture this is this particular man's um, way of life, and and who am I to make any kind of criticism of that? Just simply because it's not something that I would personally do myself. But I do see those kind. Of, I have seen those kinds of practices before, and so when we do hear these very blatant, um, I would say inflammatory, you know, mm-hmm. statements about about what Chinese people are or not, are not eating, I think that people just need to better understand what is behind the behind that before there's a rush to judgment. Absolutely, and I think it's with respect. I mean, there are practices here that 
might turn heads in the same way. Um, you know, I feel like um, there are people who feel strongly about essential oils. They feel like in many ways they're very medicinal and neuropathic. And I know some people who think that that's ridiculous <laughs> and an essential oil is not medicine. So it's really, even within our own culture, we have varying, um, you know, it's not necessarily what we eat, but even here, you know, there's some people who eat chicken feet, right? That's, to me, is not something that sounds appetizing, but some people love chicken feet, and that's great. I like tongue. So it's not, I mean, it's not eating a snake, which actually, you know, is a little different. Although I have had snake, but it was cooked. Don't ask. But that was, it was in Mexico. I probably shouldn't have done it. Um, but I think, like you're saying, you know, it's rural. It's practices that have been going on for many, 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 many years. And it's come, it's as we grow in information, we learn, right? So um, no, no judgment there because we are all on that path of, of learning and growing. But they can create that, oh, you're so different from me that um, is happening here in the States. And, and it ha it's a human, you know, in tribes. If anyone's different from you, then you ostracize, you push away because you want to protect the tribe, right? You, wanna, you want the family and the unit or what's like stays with like. Um, I think it's, it's a, a kind of a human experience sometimes that we have to remind ourselves that doesn't serve us anymore. Uh, it made sense maybe when we were, you know, in caves, <laughs> but not anymore. And that we can embrace some of these differences um, and understand and know where they come from and not pass judgment on it. Um, I think essential oils are great. Um, maybe if, you know, some people eat raw eggs too, you know, and I think that's super dangerous uh, with salmonella. So, and that's here. And that doesn't seem as exotic when I say it that way. So I just think, um, except, you know, trying to be more empathetic and understanding and, and education. I think it's probably what's going to help um, us grow and be, and, and be better. I mean, like you say, China is huge. It's almost it's almost impossible for us to fathom how big it is and the variances and the in the broad differences that you find within the country themselves, right? From province to province. Yes, it is. It is. It is so much bigger than I ever even realized it myself um, before coming here. Um, and, and it's just, and yes, each province can be so different. And, you know, the north can be so different from the south and the east so different from the west. And, and then so many different in between everything from um, environment to landscape to dialect to, um, you know, cultural history to, um, you know, the people that are that are there. And, it is it is it is mind blowing sometimes as to how just enormous China is, and oftentimes when the West is referring to China, I've seen this lately, especially with discussion of the coronavirus. There's a lot of um, you know, well, well, uh, people or news organizations are using Beijing as their um, as their term. Or talking about the government um, 
hear, uh, well, what is Beijing going to do? And, and this is how Beijing is reacting. And, and it's so interesting to me because, you know, of course, yes, this is the, the capital city of China. Uh, but as I said, you know, earlier, you know, uh, Hubei province is not close to Beijing province at all. <laughs> and so I don't think that people realize when they're hearing just how far away some of some places, some places actually are. I mean, that's crazy. That's halfway across the country for us here. Mm. So, you know, if we were to say something's happening in D.C., but it's, you know, the city that it's happening in is possibly Denver, that's a little more than 500 miles. Um, <laughs> it's still, it's like, okay, that's that's a vast uh, space that has to be trans. You know, and, and the cultural difference even between living in that in a rural area. Um, so I, I really want to thank you for your time, Brian. I do not um, want to keep you up any later. <laughs> I really appreciate um, you talking with uh, me and sharing your experience. And, I mean, are you concerned personally? Is, is there a concern for your children? You have three um, kids. You know, it, it's that's a that's a that's actually an interesting question. Um, so we have been um, we have we have not been so concerned about the uh, contracting the virus. I will tell you that <clears throat> that has not been um, on top of our minds. Um, what has become more and more concerning is the restrictions that are continuing to be put into place. Um, as the government is trying to um, put a hold or, or lock it down, so to speak, um, more and more. It's been, it's, it has been becoming more and more intense. And we have been very steadfast in you know, maintaining our cool and our calm and our normalcy for our family. Um, but, but at this point, we're going on, uh, we're in four weeks. We have been... Um, essentially at, at home we, will, we are free to come and go go to the grocery store but so many places are closed right now so it's not the it's interestingly enough it's not the virus that's causing concern for us as much as it is the reactions that are in place and um, we are actually heading um, out to America tomorrow um, just simply because um, we have just been so so confined and and it's been it's been a challenge for our mental well-being um, as much as, as as of course for our physical well-being um, that you know we're, we have decided that we're just going to get away for a couple of weeks so that we can um, we can have a little bit of normalcy before returning back here to Beijing. Oh, that's fantastic! So let me ask you this. Will you, when you go out to the grocery store, or um, were you able to go to restaurants? Um, do you have to wear a mask, yeah. right? That's by law you have to wear a mask, or no? Is that? It is. It, it, at first, it was kind of encouraged to be wearing a mask. Now you find that um, everywhere you're wearing a mask. Different restaurants are, some restaurants are open, some are not. Um, the economic toll of this is a whole other conversation, oh. but um, but there but a lot of places are either completely closed or they have they have drastically reduced their hours um, because they are discour the 
they being the government is discouraging people from congregating together. Um, and so we do wear a mask when we go outside, when we are not so much right outside of where we live, but certainly when we go into the grocery store, when we're in a car, um, when we're in anywhere that where there might be other people in close proximity, we all just respect each other and we do wear a mask. Um, temperature checks are happening everywhere we go um, to come into the uh, our apartment compound. Um, you will be temperature checked to go into any place at all. Um, you are your temperature is checked and uh, they just implemented starting today or tomorrow in our own apartment compound where only um, you actually had have to secure passes to come and go from the compound and they're only offering a couple of those per household so it's just the restrictions, restrictions have been getting a little bit tighter and I think this is a preemptive um, move because we have all of these people who are going to be coming back into the city uh, come early next week so um, it's it, we, we've, we've been we've been doing it uh, with a smile and um, keeping in perspective and um, and I think at the end of the day, we appreciate the measures that are being put into place. Oh, definitely. What about the kids? Uh, little is <clears> seven, <throat> so and oldest is 14. It, How are they being impacted? Um, it's, it's, well, the, the big impact is that um, all team sporting events have been canceled. So, and because school is closed, then their sports activities are not happening. All of their learning is occurring online. Teachers are doing it through video, um, providing all of their lessons um, to make the lack of being in the classroom as authentic as it possibly can be because we don't know how long the situation is going to last. So I think that for their well-being, it'll be good for us to be where um, you know they can they can get outside every single day um, without. Um, having to wear a mask without um, worrying. Oh, am I running a little warm right now because I was walking fast? Uh, because they're going to check my temperature. What's going to happen? Um, I think that for their well-being, we need to um, to take a break. Um, but they, I have to say, they they've been handling it. They've been handling it well. And I mean, and they're able to communicate with their friends, right? I mean, they're FaceTiming or they're doing what have you to still at least correct. Stay in yes. Well, that's good. That helps. Because I know yes. at that age, yes. that's important. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, well, great. I am super excited to have had an opportunity to speak with you. and so grateful that you took the time. And safe travels. Are you, um, you said you're catching a flight tomorrow. Do you, ha do you have any idea if they're going to do any kind of quarantine? I mean, we've heard rumors about that. It's all varying by country. Um, all citizens coming and going between countries really need to check. And so um, for, for us, um, as you can imagine, there's obviously a limited number of flights um, as of late. And so we're actually flying through, we're flying to Korea. We're flying to Seoul tomorrow afternoon where we just will be transferring and we are, we are, um, safe to do so, and then we will be flying into one of the 11 designated airports in the U.S. We'll be flying into Atlanta, 
where, um, as we understand, um, they will be screening us, obviously doing temperature checks, probably asking us a lot of questions just about, you know, what are we doing in China? How long have we been here? Where, where in China have we been? Um, etc. And then once that happens, we are free to go on our way and we are expected to self-quarantine uh, for um, a certain number of times. And, um, and within that, that self-quarantine period, um, they, they may be calling asking, you know, how are you feeling or are you having any symptoms um, just to keep an eye on, on yourself. So there are definitely ways to navigate um, travel. It's just become very, very difficult lately. Wow. Well, I really um, wish you safe travels. I know everything will be fine and you guys are healthy. It's very far away. And it's good to get a break and come back and visit family and friends who are going to be, I'm sure, super excited to see you guys. It's an unexpected visit, right? Yeah, it's, 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 we actually just made the decision to do this yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for you. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I think the kids and I are super excited. So that's terrific. Thank you again, Brian. I really appreciate you taking the time. Sure, you're, you're most welcome. Thank you.